The following program, the My Community Plan Hour, is brought to you by the My Community Plan Foundation. And to the extent applicable, is guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of NewsWeb Radio Company or its management. Good morning, 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning can only mean my community plan foundation. Oh, I like the way you did that. Happy New Year! Happy New Year. Uh, I'm your host, Reverend L. E. Kenna Johnson. And I'm your co-host, Adia Heaton. I'm not sure why I can't hear a thing, but I'm sure it's going to work out after the next break. Listen, this new year has proven to be interesting on this wise. For the first time, Adia, mm-hmm. yes. our... United States Congress has gone through 14 votes for Speaker of the House. Yikes. You know, when you can't get on the same page, and aren't they supposed to be the people who are always on the same page? Theoretically. Well, you're not wrong on this wise. The Democrats seem to be on the same page 14 times. Mm -hmm. 14 times. Hakeem Jeffries. The Honorable Hakeem Jeffries, minority leader from the state of New York, received every single solitary Democratic vote for Speaker of the House. Yeah, you know, the streets are calling him Obama 2.0, the way he can speak. Well, let's just say um, being from Hawaii and New York City don't make you cut from the same cheesecloth because Hakeem has got a little steam in his discourse, just a little. <laughs> he does bring the energy, the passion, and, you know, speaking as a younger person, I think he can reach multiple generations. You know, one of the things that uh, one of our regular guests on the program, as you know, is Congressman Danny Davis. We call him the Lion of Cook County. His concern was what was going to happen after this cabal called the Republicans actually took the gavel. For example, um, the right wing, uh, as supposedly far right wing of the Republican delegation, now has uh, a, a significant stronghold in the United States House of Representatives. And unfortunately, this is the same group of folk who won't acknowledge the insurrection that occurred on January 6th of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'd say happy anniversary to that. But it's not exactly a good thing to celebrate. Uh, But yes, you know, it was certainly an insurrection and we'll call it what it was. And here we are today. Unfortunately, um, it just reminds me that as we apply the laws, plural, of this great land of laws, the same laws do not apply to white folk that apply to every non-white person. Mm hmm. Our judicial system is not colorblind, <laughs> much like the society is not colorblind uh, and it is not applied fairly, equally or as you you know, enjoy saying equitably. As I enjoy saying equitably, ladies and gentlemen, she's referring to the only equitable government in these United States of America happens to be right here in Cook County presided over by our great friend, Cook County Board President, Tony Preckwinkle. Why are you be hating on Tony Preckwinkle? Not hating at all. That's the way our government and judicial system should be applied. Uh, and regardless of 
background, racial background or income status, because we know a lot of uh, speaking of which, happy new year, happy uh, safety act. (laughs) Put put on hold by the Illinois State Supreme Court. Yes. We are one step closer to that being a reality. But background, uh, racial background or nor economic background should be a hindrance to how the judicial system is applied. You mean we shouldn't have debtors prisons anymore? Uh, No, sir. Um, Let me also say two things. One, um, hats off to President Joe Biden for appointing more people of color and not just people of color, not just women, but people from all parts of this nation now sit on the federal bench. He has gotten through more judges that look like America on the bench than any other president, including my dear friend and former basketball teammate, that's uh, former President Barack Hussein Obama. 1.0. Yes. The original. (laughs) The original. But now I do have a problem because... As it relates to immigration, there are three groups of people who are deported immediately from Mexico should they come in illegally. And in that group are Cubans and Haitians. And I do believe that America has a unique obligation to Haiti that we continue to ignore. I thank God for Jonathan Jackson, newly elected congressman from the first congressional district, because his first delegation will be to Haiti, not just to repair that relationship, but to give Haitians and the nation of Haiti the associated representation and support it deserves as the first democracy in this part of the Atlantic. Hmm. Okay. You said we have a unique obligation to Haiti, Obligation. Where does that come from? From their participation in not just every um, skirmish the Americans have been involved in, but more importantly, from the notion that an island nation might be compelled to pay its invaders for the cost of invading their land. That is the most obscene perspective I've ever seen in the origin of nation states. The fact that Haiti has to pay the French for what it cost them to invade Haiti and then get kicked out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't don't get me going. I'm I mean, saying as we bring it back to America, <laughs> this continental U.S. Very important point, but we do have a guest on the line here this morning. A champion of civil rights, a woman whose educational credentials are above par. In fact, she is an extraordinary public servant. She is the president and CEO of the Chicago Urban League. Karen Freeman Wilson, Madam President, welcome to First Time to the Show. Good morning. Good morning. Now, you know I can't miss out on that Haiti conversation. (laughs) Because there's an economic obligation. We went down there and stole a lot of sugar Mm. for our own economic purposes. Now, you keep saying we. (laughs) <laughs> well, let me just correct that. <laughs> the United States of America. Yeah. And uh, and so there is a unique obligation to Haiti. In large um, part because we assisted in the destruction of that nation and the exploitation. Precisely. Precisely. 
Um, but good morning. <laughs> good morning. Hayden, uh, you know, I just could not miss that uh, opportunity. It's great to be on with you. And uh, it's awesome to bring you greetings in the new year from the Chicago Urban League. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, what's interesting, and I, I want to talk about the Urban League momentarily, but I also want our listening audience to get to know you just a little better because you have um, a storied journey, not just in public service, but also in your educational journey as well. Um, I, I think you're a graduate of Vassar College. Is that correct? I'm actually a graduate of Harvard College. Well, you Harvard know I knew that. You know, you know I knew. <laughs> You're just pulling my leg early on a Sunday. <laughs> early yeah. on a Sunday morning, absolutely. Harvard I College and Harvard Law School. Yes, I've been extremely blessed. Um, went to Gary Public Schools and um, had the um, opportunity to attend Harvard College and remain there to go to Harvard Law School. And I couldn't wait to get back to Gary to try and help. That's interesting um, because you know what they say, no good thing comes out of Gary. Well, you know, they, I've never heard that one. Places. <laughs> they still go about a few places. But, uh, you know, we have a lot of good folks who have come out of Gary and who are still there. One thing, there were several things about your journey um, I, I, I want to touch on briefly if I can. Um, the fact that aren't you the first African-American female mayor of the city of Gary? I am. Uh, first African-American and first female uh, mayor of the city of Gary. And uh, that was uh, the election was in 2011. And I served from 2012 to 2019, which seems uh, thanks to COVID and just uh, how much I'm enjoying myself now many, many moons ago. Listen, music in the background tells me it's time to remind our listening and viewing audience, those who are watching on the MCP Facebook page, we have to take a break, a pause for the cause. This is the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. And we'll be right back after this short station break. Starting a job search? In need of training to get new skills? Are you an employer looking for a great hire? The Chicago Cook Workforce Partnership can help. We're the umbrella organization for the largest publicly funded workforce development system in the nation, serving Chicago and Cook County. Our network consists of more than 90 community-based organizations that can offer you the assistance you need at no cost. Make the call. Dial 1-800-720-2515 or visit shycookworks.org. Find the connection you need. Are you looking for a new career? YWCA Metropolitan Chicago has partnered with a global manufacturing company seeking to fill several roles in their south suburban location. No experience required. They're seeking to fill the following positions. Assembly operator, automation technician, molding operator, quality inspector, setup technician, forklift driver, cycle counter, material handler. If interested, contact 773-902-8989. Email cvcf at ywcachicago.org. It all starts with one meal, one cup of fresh water, one generous person. 
Sakat Foundation of America puts humanity above all else, working to help as many people as possible with food security, emergency relief, education, and much more. From Chicago to Bridgeview, California to New York, Cambodia to Colombia, Sakat Foundation of America has been on the ground for nearly 20 years to provide immediate and sustainable aid so people in need can become self-reliant. Visit zakat.org for more information. That's Z-A-K-A-T dot org. Uh, welcome back. This is the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. We have Miss Karen Freeman Wilson of the Chicago Urban League on the line. Uh, Ms. Freeman Wilson, we were just speaking about your time as mayor of Gary, Indiana. But before that, you had another position in the state of Indiana. I a couple was, of them. Um, <laughs> she returned from Harvard to Indiana for a purpose. I was the uh, director of the Indiana Civil Rights Commission um, initially. And then I... Um, uh, the attorney general resigned and I was appointed as the Indiana attorney general. And so I, um, did, uh, a, a bit over a year as Indiana attorney general. And an interesting fact is that, um, Roland Burris yes. and I are cousins. No and, way. Um, we uh cousins by marriage but we served at the same time and so he was illinois attorney general and i was indiana attorney general and, and we were visiting uh friday and and just talking about uh what a kick we had gotten out of that at the time roland burris was the first african-american state attorney general in the nation i believe that is correct that is correct Yep. You see, uh, both both the DA and I have um, degrees in history, among others, and we, we, we seem to be history buffs. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I'll also call out the fellow Ivy League here. I'm a graduate of the <laughs> University of Pennsylvania with my history degree. How about that? Yeah. How about that? <laughs> yeah. So, well, you guys are, uh, you know, that that's intimidating. <laughs> I know that whatever I say has to be correct. <laughs> no, you are on WCPT Radio where facts matter. Yes, yes. I'm, that's, that's I'm just saying, you know. But listen, um, Attorney General, Director of the Indiana Civil Rights Commission, I'm interested to know, um, first, that Indiana has a Civil Rights Commission. Um, as we were coming in the studio this morning, we were uh, reminded of violations of civil rights of African-Americans in general, but in particular with the um, atrocity in Florida called Rosewood. Yes. And I'm mindful Absolutely. of being a graduate of Fisk University, HBCU in the house. Come on, somebody. That oh, yeah. Rosewood... However you want to define what occurred to that community, 
You cannot deny that members of the Ku Klux Klan from around the nation descended on this community, surrounded this community, and fired lead into black folk who did not deserve it, but were self-contained and self-sufficient. And a great number of these Klansmen came from the state of Indiana. Well, you know, Indiana, uh, well into the 1900s, was a hotbed for the Ku Klux Klan. And not just southern Indiana, uh, northeast Indiana and north central Indiana were uh, places where the Klan uh, not only thrived, but originated. Yeah. Um, in the state of Indiana. And so, yeah, we have, and, you know, they served in the Indiana General Assembly. There were uh, governors in the state who had ties. And one of the last lynchings uh, above the Mason-Dixon line occurred in, um, I believe it was Marion, Indiana. You know, as we have this conversation about um, race relations in general, um, I can't help but to think about how proud I am of my colleagues, my pan-Hellenic um, brothers of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. You may know that that particular fraternity, um, Black Greek Letter Organization, originated in Indiana University, and it it did so unlike other fraternities, which were founded as they are on scholarship and fellowship, but also on keeping Negroes alive because young black males would leave Indiana University and if they were by themselves, they may not make it back. And the underpinning you just gave about the history of the Klan helps our listening audience understand how treacherous it was to be a black person in the state of Indiana, generally speaking. And then when you have young people going to college and if they left the campus, they may not make it back. So, the Kappa brothers, that fraternity, would, their moniker was, you better not go by yourself. Because if you got back, you still got a butt whooping for leaving without somebody with you. Oh, that's absolutely. And just north of Bloomington, maybe about 30 miles, uh, not even that, maybe 20 miles, is Martinville, Martinsville, Indiana. And it was notorious for not being open, friendly, or safe for black people well into 2000. Mm. And so, um, you know, there was, there were two options of going to Bloomington uh, from Indianapolis or from the North. And most black folks opted away from Martinsville, Indiana for that reason. In fact, even Southern Illinois uh, continued to have sundown laws. Oh, absolutely. Uh, There was a HUD case uh, recently uh, in Southern Illinois in Cairo uh, involving the housing authority where they were um, just openly discriminating uh, against black people down there. It's interesting that we talk about cases in the modern era. And um, both you and I can have this conversation on the air about um, not just racism, but the challenges of being black in America. And so for for that reason, I have to lift you up 
um, take off my hat for your journey, um, not only for where you have been and where you are, um, but we always know the best is yet to come. Where you sit right now as president and CEO of the Chicago Urban League, you and I have had a, a brief conversation. I was reminded that you were also on the program on one of M- MCP's platforms um, with respect to the Universal Circus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And and the circus went extremely well, well attended. And, um, you know, it's just great. We always talk about supporting black business. Uh, The Universal Circus is, in fact, a black business. And it is one that black folks don't often get in. uh, But, you know, whenever they are here, I love to support it. And, you know, my mother was a circus mom. So she took me to all the circuses. And I can tell you uh, with authority that the Universal Circus is the best ever. Lord have mercy. Well, (laughs) where, where I was going to was your commitment, not just to civil rights, but also to what Karen Yarbrough would call the participatory event called democracy. Um, she, she's the county clerk and she regularly reminds us that democracy is a, um, is not a spectator sport. She is absolutely right. We've had that conversation and um, we took the opportunity during the Universal Circus to promote voting because we know that our voter participation in the black community and quite frankly, in all communities. So it's not just black folks, but, uh, you know, in the black community, it is low. And when I talk about low, I'm talking about uh, below 30 percent in some elections. Now, there are elections that we get excited about, presidential elections, uh, mayoral elections. But generally, our numbers are low. And, um, you know, if you don't vote, then I think you forfeit the right to complain about anything in government because Everything goes back to whether you're talking about potholes, whether you're talking about your children's education, whether you're talking about um, how tax dollars are invested and in what community they're invested in. It goes back to voting. Are you voting? Yes. And I had the chance to attend the circus this past fall here in Chicago as well. Um, And I'm not sure your involvement with the programming, but they uh, had a rap that was about voting. And I thought some of the lyrics um, were some of the most creative (laughs) that I've ever heard, but also highly effective in terms of, you know, not being a corny, cheesy song like get out to vote and didn't have substance. But it had some real world applications for why. Uh, individuals and in particular uh, younger folks should get out and vote and just as you're saying it's all about you know not just the big flashy elections but you know the potholes child support like the everyday things that we have involvement in in the government that if you're not an active voter and taking uh, an active look at what's going on in the local politics you know folks are just making decisions for you they make them every day and um and you know the 
age-old cop-out is um, my vote doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, and, it, and, and the reality is it certainly doesn't matter if, if you don't use it. I'm going to say this. It matters more if you don't use it, because what we've learned in this last cycle, we're, we're always talking about how Joe Biden owes his presidency to African-American women who go to church. That block regularly votes at the highest percentage of any demographic, and they put Joe Biden in. But there's a new um dare I say the pun, kid on the block. And here is that new kid on the block. The governor of Pennsylvania owes his seat to young voters. Absolutely. U.S. Senator from Georgia, Ralph Warnock, owes his seat to young voters because I'm going to tell you, Generation Z and the millennials got their behinds to the polls and voted in record numbers. Yeah, so I don't want to hear any more of that. (laughs) Bachelor of the young people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. One of the things I want to talk about. Uh oh. On the on the other side of this break, you can Cause, talk cause about I, it. I, I hear that music in the background. Creeping in. I know it's creeping in. You gotta pay the piper. You gotta do that. Listen, when we come back, I want to talk a little more about um, issues specifically focused on millennials, Generation Z, that the Urban League, not just locally but nationally, because this program is supposed to have some focus on them. When we do the report card, we don't want to dig ahead and saying you failed again. You're listening to the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. We'll be right back after this short station break. Starting a job search? In need of training to get new skills? Are you an employer looking for a great hire? The Chicago Cook Workforce Partnership can help. We're the umbrella organization for the largest publicly funded workforce development system in the nation, serving Chicago and Cook County. Our network consists of more than 90 community-based organizations that can offer you the assistance you need at no cost. Make the call. Dial 1-800-720-2515 or visit shycookworks.org. Find the connection you need. Are you looking for a new career? YWCA Metropolitan Chicago has partnered with a global manufacturing company seeking to fill several roles in their south suburban location. No experience required. They're seeking to fill the following positions. Assembly operator, automation technician, molding operator, quality inspector, setup technician, forklift driver, cycle counter, material handler. If interested, contact 773-902-8989. Email cvcf at ywcachicago.org. It all starts with one meal, one cup of fresh water, one generous person. Sakat Foundation of America puts humanity above all else, working to help as many people as possible with food security, emergency relief, education, and much more. From Chicago to Bridgeview, California to New York, Cambodia to Colombia, Sakat Foundation of America has been on the ground for nearly 20 years to provide immediate and sustainable aid so people in need can become self-reliant. Visit Zakat.org for more information. That's Z-A-K-A-T dot org.
back to the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. Our guest, first-time participant on the program, Karen Freeman-Wilson, President and CEO of the Chicago Urban League. Miss Madam President Freeman-Wilson, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. Please call me Karen. Only because you authorized it will I do so. <laughs> Listen, so good to have you back on the program, one of the conversations that we had. In fact, we have been, you and I have been flirting with getting you on the program for several months. We have. We have. We finally got it done. How about that? Listen, listen. And we still got one more yet to do. We'll get back to that one later. What I wanted to, to um, kick the ball over to Adia, um, because as I shared with you, this particular uh, program, we try to focus it on opportunities um, to, I, I guess, for resources, um, not just entrepreneurial opportunities, although that's the mainstay of every community. Um, but, you know, you, you can never, con- um, State Representative Will Davis uh, made a comment to me a couple of years ago after one of our workforce development programs. He said, Reverend, everyone doesn't want to own their own company. Some folk want a job they can just leave the work at the job um, and you got to find something for them too. So here's where I, 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 uh, I hand the ball off to uh, my co-host. <laughs> that was an interesting segue. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so as uh, we're coming up actually on my one year anniversary of moving to Chicago, but when I did, I wanted to, I looked around and decided places where I wanted to try to get involved and plug in. And uh, I came across the Chicago Urban League Metropolitan Young Professionals Chapter. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your work with the Urban League and then the Young Professionals Organization as well? So, um, yeah, I am excited about the Metro Board. Every uh, and there are 92 Urban League affiliates in the country. And most Urban League affiliates have a Metro Board or a Young Professionals um, group that is affiliated with the league. The league overall, and uh, the Chicago Urban League has been in existence for over 106 years, originally created to help blacks who were migrating from the South to get acclimated to a new uh, community, to get um, acclimated to a new space, to find a place to live, to find a place to work, to start businesses if they chose to, to make sure their children were educated. And as that time evolved, uh, we became much more of an advocacy group that centered around economic opportunity. And we are still that. Uh, we have added, uh, since that time, um, our research and policy efforts. We've added leadership development. We have one of the premier uh, programs for young black professionals in our impact program and are now starting a new program directed at um, professionals who serve, non-profit professionals who serve uh, primarily black communities, and that's called the IGNITE program. Both of those programs are done in partnership with the University of Chicago. But our Metro Board 
um, is a group that is extremely involved civically. Uh, they are um, the group in the Urban League or the auxiliary group, I should say, that focuses heavily on voter engagement, voter registration, voter participation. They are also always um, trying to help young people who are interested in entrepreneurship or who are interested in employment in certain fields. Uh, I know recently they did a, a wine event with the owner of Love Corkscrew. I may be uh, reversing that, but uh, the founder of that company had a conversation with our Metro board. And our Metro board does a tremendous job in volunteering in the community, whether it's uh, for food drives or clothing drives or coat drives, uh, just really giving back to the community. But it's also uh, one of the ways to get professional development for young people. And the age is uh, from 20 to all the way up to, I believe it's 40 for the uh, Metro Board. So I aged out a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I aged out a couple of decades ago. <laughs> you said the Ignite program. Yes. So Ignite is just starting. In fact, we've gotten our first cohort and uh, we'll be starting this month. And it is not just directed to the executive director of the nonprofit but it's also an opportunity for two members of the leadership team to come uh, and just talk about leadership development, professional development, or development, all of the things that uh, nonprofit leaders uh, need, uh, desire, but don't often get an opportunity to do because it can be cost prohibitive. But um, we, along with the um, University of Chicago, got a, a grant from David Golub, um, who just wanted to contribute to something in Chicago that could um, create change and the focus on nonprofits was because they are often under-resourced. And, you know, certainly we know that well at the Urban League. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking about some members of my community plan foundation, generally speaking, and then one in particular, Trek World. And I don't know um, if in your um, bandwidth you provide any um, support for African-American for-profit entities um, that are undercapitalized um, but have you know, unique and significant service offerings. Trek World, for example, provides non-emergent health care rides um, to and from hospitals or health care 
um, doctor's appointments, dental appointments, um, groceries, if it's um, prescribed by your nutritionist pursuant to your health care regimen, and, of course, um, prescriptions as well. So we absolutely have that. Um, one of the, and we do programming in the areas that I talked about earlier, workforce, um, housing and financial impairment, uh, education, uh, youth and family services. And we have an entire entrepreneurship department that helps businesses from the startup phase all the way up to and including uh, the scaling phase. And part of that involves counseling, part of that um, involves coaching, but part of that also involves access to capital. And there are times when we have the um, opportunity to partner with organizations who want to give grants to businesses. And so I would really encourage your friend to contact um, our entrepreneurship team at the Urban League, and he can do that uh, online by uh, going to chiul.org, chiul.org, or he can simply do it by calling us at uh, 773-285-7300. That's good information. <laughs> and we'll certainly uh, make sure uh, Chuck World has that opportunity to do so. Um, but let's, let's go back, if, if we can, to opportunities for, um, I, I, you know, the question is, um, and you and Adia can help me answer it, um, do young folks just want jobs or do they, they want to... Um, support with their own entrepreneurial activities? Well, I don't think it's an either or at first. Precisely. So, and are you Ivy League folk trying to gang up on, on the HBCU, brother? Because I got big I mean, shoulders that, now. The question is, I got big shoulders. I can, I can handle it. I ain't scared. The question itself, do they want jobs? Do they just want jobs or, or they want to work for themselves? Well, first of all, a lot of people want to have the opportunity to make that decision. And so yeah. they're worried and focused on a whole lot of other things and basic necessities before we even get to the ability to have that. So I think um, many of the programs you just mentioned, uh, you see, I can't just say Karen. I know. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> but in the opportunities and programs you just mentioned um, were, you know, kind of, they're stepping stones. And as we try to provide these opportunities and expose um, young people to, you know, what the professional world looks like. It may start at, you know, just getting a job because they do need to pay for the basic necessities of life. But as you get out into the workforce and even, you know, as I'm discovering in my career that post undergraduate degree that you can learn a lot by working for someone, working for an organization, and then go on and decide whether now is the time where you want to start something on your own or continue to learn in this environment and have the, t the time and security to then go pursue other interests. That is absolutely right. And very often uh, you find that um, young people will work in places, and while they're working, 
they will take the time to uh, find out about their uh, passion in terms of entrepreneurship and prepare for that because, you know, you have to be able to invest in a business. You can't just start a business and hope that it works. Uh, you have hope to that it works. Invest <laughs> the power in it. of hope. You have to put time in it. And so you have to have money to do that. And typically, just like with anybody else, it comes from another source. And for a lot of our uh, younger folks, it's their jobs. I have a daughter who's 28, and she practices law in a firm, but she also has a business. Mm. And, um, you know, I don't want her to quit that job in the law firm. (laughs) 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 But I want to see her business succeed. Karen, that music in the background tells me, and right now you know, it's time to take a pause for the cause. When we come back, we're going to have our action segment Prayerfully, it will have actions in entrepreneurship and innovation, along with actions in housing and financial empowerment with Karen Freeman Wilson, CEO, President of the Chicago Urban League, after this station break. Starting a job search? In need of training to get new skills? Are you an employer looking for a great hire? The Chicago Cook Workforce Partnership can help. We're the umbrella organization for the largest publicly funded workforce development system in the nation, serving Chicago and Cook County. Our network consists of more than 90 community-based organizations that can offer you the assistance you need at no cost. Make the call. Dial 1-800-720-2515 or visit shycookworks.org. Find the connection you need. YWCA Metropolitan Chicago has partnered with a global manufacturing company seeking to fill open positions in their south suburban location. No experience required. If interested, contact 773-902-8989. Email cvcf at ywcachicago.org. It all starts with one meal, one cup of fresh water, one generous person. Sakat Foundation of America puts humanity above all else, working to help as many people as possible with food security, emergency relief, education, and much more. From Chicago to Bridgeview, California to New York, Cambodia to Colombia, Sakat Foundation of America has been on the ground for nearly 20 years to provide immediate and sustainable aid so people in need can become self-reliant. Visit Zakat.org for more information. That's Z-A-K-A-T dot org. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. We have with us first-time guest. I hope she's going to be a long-time friend. That's Karen Freeman Wilson. She is the current President and CEO of the Chicago Urban League. Madam President, I know you said call you Karen. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This this oh, is yeah. the uh, last mean, section. Okay. And this okay. section, um, all MCP media, we, we try to have it um, tagged specifically as action. You know, what can folk do who are, are listening? Um, so to that end, I have, have a couple questions for you. 
Um, Chicago Urban League has two areas that I want I want to focus on. Unless there are more, you and Adia can certainly direct that. Um, Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation, and then Housing and Financial Empowerment Center. I'm going to flip that and do housing first, because in my humble opinion, if I can take the moniker humble, Karen, um, housing is the first economic engine of most families in this nation. Absolutely. Um, Housing is one of the ways that black people acquire wealth. And that is why when you look at the appraisal bias, when you look at redlining, when you look at other forms of discrimination, why that's so scurrilous, because it robs, literally robs people of their um, economic power. And so we have a housing and financial empowerment center that uh, promotes first-time home buying and all home buying. So whether you're looking to get a home for the first time or your second or third home, we will help people. um, And sometimes it's simply connecting you with uh, financing options. And we don't promote one over the other because we have a lot of partners. But uh, other times people need to Um, be prepared financially, whether it's getting your credit score up or reducing debt. Um, And, you know, those two things are obviously related or just understanding the process. What does it mean to have points? Uh, What does it mean to um, have uh, an arrangement with a seller where they give you a an allowance for decoration. What does it mean? You know, there are so many housing terms, and because you don't buy houses every day, you might buy a cup of coffee every day, or you might buy a car every five to ten years. But, you know, people generally will purchase a home uh, for personal use maybe two or three, maybe four times in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. But uh, and so you're not as familiar with those terms. I don't care how smart you are. So interestingly enough, at MCP, we also participate in financial literacy. And this is where I give the shameless plug to Liberty Bank, um, one of our newest partners, as they make their entree into the Chicagoland market. And they're part of our financial literacy matrix. And so I'm going to suggest that we might consider um, talking to you and or your team members about this notion of financial literacy, because it, I, I tend to believe that uh, there's an African saying that if you want to go far, probably you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, take some folk along with you. And in our community, we have so many siloed financial literacy type entities, and we're not getting the return on the collaborative investment we could be getting um, because the pie is big enough that we can all work together and achieve our objectives. What, th- what say you in that thought? I, I absolutely agree, and we would be open to that. Uh, there is, um, There are enough clients to go around, and there is never too much uh, information out there or there can never be 
too much financial literacy. So we would absolutely be open to that. We are teaching it um, to eighth graders because we believe that, um, you know, really that's something that should be taught in elementary school. Uh, my my mother used to say, uh, money does not grow on trees. And um, I say the same thing to my daughter now, but we need to help young folks. I'm, and I'm talking about our children understand uh, the value of a dollar and um, the importance of financial literacy. Um, truer words can have never been spoken, and I'm, I'm mindful that the last time you and I saw one another was at the DuSabo Museum of African-American History and Education. And it yeah. seems to me um, we, we might have a location to do a large collaboration, particularly with youth groups in our churches, in addition to eighth graders, not just on African-American history, which is a necessity, um, but African-American history is financial literacy. And when you think about it, every time there is a siloed community of African-Americans, whether it was in Oklahoma, whether it's in Philadelphia, whether it's in Chicago, whether it's in Florida, white folk came and bombed it out or shot it up. So we it, wouldn't it have. Pardon me? Yeah, it, it, it's a, a, an odd uh, occurrence and a curious um, thought as to why that happened. Um, now, you know, it, it, you know, I'm not naive. I know that it has its origin in history, specifically slavery. But, you know, if at some point, would you just sit down somewhere and let me do what I need to do? You know, um, I, I can't help but think about... Um the approach to this topic that our, our Jewish cousins utilize. And that is they just work with themselves for themselves. They don't necessarily exclude any other group, but they're maniacal about working within home. It sounds like some Old Testament conversation, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying on a Sunday morning exactly what I said. My Bible tells me that my family is my uniquely soul responsibility. And after I got them taken care of, I can go ahead on and be a good Samaritan to everybody else. If that is in fact the case, we, we, we need to be more collaborative with entities like the Urban League because at the end of the day, your, your Ignite program is exciting because you're right. There are multiple nonprofit organizations undercapitalized but are doing good work in our communities. And if we could pull these siloed entities together, we'd have a larger impact and we could start making a difference. So that's the, that's the housing conversation. Let's roll on over to the Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. Absolutely. And so that's the place where businesses are born and grow, grown. Uh, people have the opportunity to come and explore an idea. You know, maybe it's a hobby that they want to turn into a business or that they believe should be a business. We work with them to um, talk about the development of a business plan 
to talk about uh, what they need for success in that business. But there are other folks who come to us who have a proven model. So maybe they just Mm, mm, need mm. um, some support with taxes. Maybe they need some support with marketing or technology. Uh, We have a course that focuses specifically on the utilization of technology in business. We have a course that focuses specifically on um, tax issues that confront small business owners. And then we have um, our next one course, I would call that our marquee entrepreneurship course that is directed at business people who have um, income or revenue of about 250 to 500,000 and who simply are looking to scale Mm. a model that has been proven and that uh, they know works. I I just um, had a phone call, uh, I would say earlier this, well, last week uh, from a a husband and wife entrepreneur team. Uh, Someone had them give me a call about putting together their company and then helping them with that company find uh, mechanisms, including capital, um, but also technical assistance that might help them um, with their idea. Um, take that idea from a dream to a business plan, because that's always my first question. Do you have a business plan? <laughs> and now I know I can direct them to, um, should I send them to 773-285-7300? Uh, yes, sir. Send yes. them to the Urban League. We would welcome, welcome the opportunity to uh, work with them. And let me, I gave you, um, I, I looked at it because I knew that sometimes I misquoted. Uh, it. It's 773-285-5800. 5800. Um, Thank you so much. 773-285-5800 for information regarding the Center for Entrepreneurship Innovation, Housing, and Financial Development. We've been listening to Karen Freeman Wilson. Don't call me Miss Freeman Wilson. Call me Karen. She's the president and CEO of the Chicago Urban League. Thank you so much for joining us on today. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for having me. Great. Um, And that's also C-H-I-U-L dot org for the Chicago Urban League. We are not just phone numbers here. We are also (laughs) looking at the tech. C-H-I-U-L dot O-R-G. This is Adia Hayden. This has been the My Community Plan Foundation. Our have a super fantastic and grateful week. The preceding program, the MCP Hour, is brought to you by the My Community Plan Foundation and to the extent applicable, his guest. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of Newsweb Radio Company or its management.